Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. is it possible to give 100% of our heart and time to two different priorities in our lives at the same time? When we become knee deep in sleepless nights, kids' schedules, and caregiving to our sweet bundles of joy, we slowly inch away from our first loves and our marriages can often become sidelined in our efforts to become a great mom. It happens so naturally and so easily. Just think of it this way. We are giving and giving to our children from the moment they are in our womb until even now. We shift our attention and our time to their present, their future, their comfort, and their success. But then what? I know the story so well. For partway through my motherhood career, I had created an idol out of my own motherhood. And one day, I woke up with a stark realization that motherhood had taken priority over my marriage. I had become the mother, he had become the father, and we had lost us, or so I thought, or so I felt. I'm September McCarthy, and I am here with Kate Battistelli and Jamie Erickson to talk about this fragile tightrope and how to walk fully in both our marriage and our motherhood. Welcome to the table, girls. We all know a great and godly marriage takes work. And it is fair to also say that motherhood is a full-time job of its own as well. Today, let's talk about this reality that the three of us have probably faced in the delicate balance and remembering our first loves. How do we find the time? How do we find the space and the energy and the focus to keep both relationships, motherhood and marriage, healthy and strong? And is it possible? Well, we believe God created it ordained it, and can sustain the two together. So let's be real here and share our own journeys today. And I just want to begin with the question we all ask, and I have been asked, is it even possible to be a great mom and an excellent wife at the same time? I mean, we all think something has to give, right? You know, I don't think anything has to give September, but you have to be intentional about your marriage. For most couples, the two of you chose each other first, and he's still going to be there when the kids are grown and gone. So making your marriage a priority is super important. Your kids are watching, and you and your husband are illustrating what a good marriage looks like. So let them see you making him a priority and making each other a priority. Let them know your time alone together is important and valuable. And they, need, they just need to know that and to see and to understand that there are going to be times when it's just going to be the two of you and they're not going to be part of that. So I think it's perfectly fine to let them, let them know that he's, he comes first in, in many ways. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that, Kate. I, I would just say that it doesn't have to be an either or. It actually can be a both and situation. You know, I think in being a good wife, you're also being good mother because you're building a solid home framework that's going to endure long after, like you said, the kids leave the home and they're going to be seeing you making your marriage a priority. They're going to 
find rest and comfort in having that solid marriage in front of them. And that, that will put them at ease. You know, nothing will upset the apple cart of a home quite like having a husband and wife who aren't getting along. That, that's a really shaky ground for a child. Right. Right. And it happens. It happens sometimes without us even recognizing that it's happen happening. Um, so, you know, let's begin now. Let's, let's talk about some things that we can watch for in our motherhood that cannot ransack or take over our first loves. What are some things that naturally, and what are some things that happen that maybe we don't see, or we're aware of, we just don't know what to do about those things. Well, I think it depends where you are in your parenting journey. You know, when your children are little, they're going to take a lot more time and attention. And sometimes things like having a regular date night might have to take a back burner for a while with, with little babies and little toddlers and little guys. Or if you have a child that's got medical issues, sometimes that has to sit on the back for a bit. But if your children are older, well, they can hold down the fort so you can have time to have a date with your husband. It's I think it's critical that children see what romance and love look like, what it looks like in a godly marriage, not what the world says it looks like, but what the Bible says it looks like. Mm -hmm. I mean, something as simple as letting your older children clean the kitchen after dinner so you and your husband can go out and just take a walk or sit on the porch or go hold hands and listen to music, something just simple like that. We, we tend to complicate things and I don't think we need to. I think we can have that romance and that, that life and, and just sort of, you know, let that prevail in our home and let our children really see that as they grow and, and get a get a good glimpse of what a godly, romantic, loving marriage looks like. I think there's two kinds of trouble in marriage. And I don't think we're talking about the one, correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's the the kind of marriage where there's some some definite struggles you know, maybe some verbal abuse or some physical abuse or just emotional neglect. I don't think we're tackling that. But I think on the flip side is just when you become two people living in the same house, you know, living parallel lives, but not really connected romantically or emotionally anymore. You're just checking all the boxes, paying the bills, doing the dutiful thing side by side. And there's really little connection anymore. I think that's what we're kind of focusing on. And I think that's the really easy place to slip into, especially if you're like me and you're kind of in the messy middle of parenting where you do have, you know, the bills to pay. You're both busy working. You're playing taxi driver to all the kids. You're trying to be a good sister, a good wife, a good mom, a good neighbor, carting people to doctor's appointments and all the school activities. You can be so busy being good at mothering that takes priority. And you forget, like you said, September, that first love. It's interesting that we're talking about this right now because I just had a conversation with my mother. And let me just give you a quick backstory. My father passed away, oh, I'd say about like seven or eight years ago. And my mom has since remarried. And her new husband, Paul, and her have such an interesting relationship. They're so in love and they spend, you know, 100% of their waking moments together because they're both retired and they live in a really small house. They can, you know, walk from point A to point B and still, you know, reach out and hold hands along the way if they want to. And I've, I've had the privilege of sort of being 
on the sidelines watching this relationship. And the other day we were talking about it and she said, you know, Jamie, my marriage to your dad was so different than my marriage to Paul. And it's not that I loved him any less. It's not that I respected your dad any less or, or had romantic feelings towards him any less, but I was married to him during the messy middle and it was busy and we sort of got a little lost from each other. And now I get to be married and have all those same feelings, but also be friends with my spouse because I have the time. And that really, that conversation was really helpful to me. And it forced me to give some self-assessment to my own relationship with my husband. Am I still his friend? I hope so. Right. That's perfect, Jamie. Exactly. My husband and I, we have um, coursed through all of those seasons and it is, it takes a lot of intentional effort. And that's why I'm, I'm going to love sharing this episode with any mom listening because it is a real thing because we're busy being mom. They're busy being dad and doing, we're both doing our jobs and we kind of lose that um, focus we had on one another first. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we care less. It's just we're, we can only stretch ourselves so thin. And there are warning signs. There are things that happen um, in that connection that you're talking about, that friendship, when you start to see those things aren't really part of your thought process or you're checking in to see how they're really doing during the day or um, when you're starting to think things. Um, that you wouldn't normally think about that person. Maybe they're the person, they're not the, um, the friend. Now they're just the person that like a business transaction in your marriage. Um, that is, those are the warning signs and marriage and motherhood. Those are two things together that take a lot of work, but it's possible because God created them both. And that's why I'm glad we're so glad we're talking about that. Another thing I think that pulls on a marriage when it comes to parenting or motherhood is that you have two different people coming in um, parenting that have perhaps different parenting styles or a different parenting purpose. And this means that your marriage is going to have to be kind of in sync um, because you you're raising one child or two children, the same but different ways. And your children will pick up on that very easily. And it could really pull you apart. It could really kind of divide you. And so being on the same page and the same um, trajectory when it comes to your children, it's the lifelong adage of, you know, you tell your child that they can't have a piece of candy. So they go to dad because they know that dad's going to say yes. And then sure, the child gets the candy, but guess who ends up in the conflict? You know, your marriage does because, um, so it's really a pull. That's another pull. Uh, so it takes a lot of work on the front end. And I say that on purpose because it's not something you do after the fact. Um, let's fix this. Although that's what we want to talk about. We're, that's our end goal today, how to get back to the first love. But if you want to maintain a good, healthy marriage um, before your motherhood, these are the things to think about today, you know, not when it's too late. Um, so what, what would we tell the mom listening that's already in this place? She's already here. She's listening to us. They're, she's feeling the pull and she wants to find her way back. What would we tell her? 
I've got two simple things that, I mean, first pray, obviously that's going to be critical. Prayer is always my first line of defense. But the other thing is ask for advice from moms a little bit ahead of you in the mothering marriage journey. Find an older woman that's willing to mentor you. And then you may have to ask a few before you find one willing, but I'm pretty convinced that most women want to help other women. Just make sure that she has a strong marriage before getting her advice. Find, find a woman who's older, who's got a marriage and has maybe been through the mothering journey and you can get some good wisdom from years of experience from someone that's a little further ahead in the journey than you. Right. Yep. I would say a good litmus test, at least for myself, is to not focus on the big things in my marriage, but to to sort of assess the daily, everyday moments. You know, I, I heard once that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And when I find myself sort of sliding into that indifference category, there's some real red flags that need to go up or should go up. Um, some things that help me assess that, just basic things, simple little things, like here's one. Do I find myself dressing up really pretty to go out with my friends more than when I'm going to see my husband, which should matter more? You know, it's really easy to put on that brand new dress or that, you know, great pair of pants that, you know, make me look great when I'm going out for coffee with my girlfriends. I think I can slide really easily into that frame of mind because he's my husband. He should love me no matter what I look like. And I know that he does, but in my love for him, am I trying to look nice and look my best for him? My husband works from home and I love it. Don't get me wrong. But with that, we have a really unique set of struggles that maybe I wasn't aware would be there when he first started working from home. So when he used to work outside the home, he would come home at the end of the day and I'd be so excited to see him. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder and I'd meet him at the door with a hug and a kiss and the kids would all clamor around him and he was the anomaly and we were so excited. And now because he's there all the time, it can often feel just like an old sweater. You know, it, it's comfortable like sweatpants or cereal on Saturdays. There's nothing, it can slide into indifference if I'm not careful. And because of that, I have to be intentional, very intentional to look for moments of excitement in the day and to form them if they're not there so that that heart pitter patter is still there. Even though I see him all the time, we work together and it can become like September said of like a working relationship, a business relationship, it, it can become that very quickly when we're together all the live long day as we are. So it just requires maybe a little bit of intentional effort. And I realize having a husband that works from home is such a gift and I don't want to take that lightly. And I know there's many, many women listening to this right now who wish they were in that spot. And, and I understand that. But if you happen to have a situation where you are with your spouse often or you have a working relationship with him. I think it just takes some extra intention to keep that va-va-va-boom alive.
I've been told I'm a kid-lit snob. And you know, I don't disagree. I am a kid-lit snob. But why not? When the majority of conservative and even Christian book lists contain a very popular middle grade collection about dragons that includes a large amount of crass and cruel language, gratuitous violence, the support of ungodly themes like post-birth abortions, racial injustice, and genocide, someone has to speak up. Did I mention that in book 13 of that same series, the author introduces a sexual agenda that is contrary to scripture? Well, it does. I wish I could say that this is a rare exception in the kids section of the public library, but it's not. The truth is, more and more middle grade writers are being pressured by certain organizations to include specific political, social, and sexual agendas in the final books of their otherwise clean series in order to begin grooming children without parental knowledge. This means that even the most conscientious parent might find their vetting efforts being thwarted when they approve of a series after reading the first few books, only to later discover that the subsequent books don't align with their values. As a Christian writer, an avid reader, the host of a bi-weekly tween and teen book club, a former children's librarian at a megachurch, and a teacher, who spent the past 21 years helping kids discover great books, both in and out of the classroom, I'd love to curate a stack of books just for your kids. That's why I've created the Bibliophiles, a membership community of like-minded parents dedicated to keeping the literary wolves at bay. When you join the Bibliophiles, you'll receive a monthly email filled with age-appropriate books that I've personally read and hand-selected a few trending books that have content you might want to be aware of, and occasionally a title selected just for you, Mama. Each quarter, you'll also receive a bonus-themed list filled with titles curated with one topic in mind, like the Civil War, Friendships, Pets, or Christmas. Additionally, you'll be able to link arms with other parents in our private Facebook group, where you can ask about specific titles your kids are interested in, share books that you yourself have been reading, and learn about new literary trends and vetting tips. As parents, we are the gatekeepers of our kids. Just as we lock our doors to prevent intruders from entering and physically harming our family, we can be equally as vigilant when it comes to the thieves who would love to enter their minds and steal away their innocence through the books that they read. To find out more or to join the Bibliophiles community, head to jamieerickson.com backslash bibliophiles. Most adults would never let a toddler play by a swimming pool unattended. And yet, every day, so many tweens and teens have unfettered access to smartphones. Why is that? If I were to guess, it's because as parents, we want to be able to get a hold of our kids and provide a way for them to get a hold of us. We see a smartphone as a way to keep them safe. Ironically, according to the most recent data from the National Library of Medicine, smartphones are actually doing the very opposite. Researchers have concluded that as culture continues to toss tweens and teens into the deep end of the internet with no life raft, the number of teens showing signs of depression has risen by 33% and teen suicides by 31%. What if I told you there was a way to keep in contact with your kids while also keeping them safe from the harmful effects of the internet? Well, there is. It's called the Gab Phone. 
With a Gab phone, your kids can call, text, and take pictures, but the devices aren't connected to the internet in any way. Now, with the new Gab Plus, they can stream kids-safe music, send images, and participate in group texts with additional options for parent-enabled apps, too. And yet, still no internet access. That means that you can send your tween or teen out the door to after-school jobs, sports practice, or youth group, and rest a bit easier knowing you can get a hold of them and they can get a hold of you. You can keep them both physically and emotionally safe. To learn more or to snag a Gab phone or watch for your tween or teen, head to gab.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's G-A-B-B.com, promo code M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M at checkout. I just want to get super basic here for a minute. And I want to talk about those warning signs that we need to recognize might be in this place of purpose over priority. Um, you know, for me, I, these are some of the checklists that I mentally, um, have noticed in myself are some warning signs when I'm only texting or calling my husband, because I want to know who's going to pick up so-and-so or what time the meeting is, or when the paycheck is going through, or, you know, those checklists when it's only that type of communication, and I'm not weaving into personal questions or checking in just because those that's a warning sign that we're just in this business relationship and our marriage, although we're still communicating with another, we're just managing our um, family like a business, you know, like these are details and these are the very real things we have to do. But um, do our kids, do our kids see us showing affection to one another? You know, that's a warning sign when we start um, when we stop showing affection to our spouse in front of our kids, what do our kids see? Do they just see us managing a home? Uh, when I stop saying, I'm sorry, that's another warning sign. You know, it's a sign that I'm just blaming everything on the person most convenient in my home, that something might not be going conveniently for me. Um, and to be available to our spouse, that's another warning sign when I'm not available to my spouse, but I'm available to my kids 24 seven, that's sending the wrong message. And those are some basics. Those, there's just some, some basic things, um, that we kind of lose focus of. We would never think of those things when we first got married. What about you girls? What are some basic warning signs? I think those are all true for me. It's a little different because my one daughter is grown and, and out of the house, but I think if, you, if you've made your kids your first priority and you've put your husband on the back burner, that's definitely a danger sign because kids can quickly become idols. And well, so can husbands. And my husband works at home as well. So I think it's crucial your kids know that your marriage is important to you both. And just silly little things like sometimes I, my husband's out and he's, you know, do you need anything at the grocery store? And I'll text him back and I'll put in those little emojis, little hearts and the kisses. And just so he knows I'm thinking of him and I love him, even though we're not dealing with the day-to-day -day children things right now, we still have lots of busy things in our lives, lots of things going on, but it's just, it's, it's, it's the little things that are going to make the difference more than the great big giant things. You know, it's nice to get roses on Valentine's day, but it's really nice when he comes home to the grocery store with some flowers for me, just because he just thought about it and loves me and wanted to do something nice. So I think those kind of things are super important to do and just 
you know, we have to just pray and ask the Lord, are my kids becoming an idol or is my husband? I mean, they both can. So we just have to be kind of find that balance in there. I think too, um, just being really honest here, examine your sex life and your intimacy with your husband. It might not be a priority for you, but I can almost guarantee it's a priority for him. And sometimes when we talk about these things about marriage and motherhood, we often leave out what they need and what they desire. And so I would just say, if, if you feel like you're just kind of putting in time and checking a box with that in that area of your life, um, that's a red flag. And it's certainly something that we all can um, be intentional with. And, and that might feel inauthentic. It might feel unromantic. But there was a season in my marriage where we actually had to kind of write it down on the calendar. And, and I say that, and that might sound, sound really rigid to some, but you know what? At that time in our lives with really young kids and really busy schedules, it made it a priority and it set it in front of us so we knew something was happening on the schedule and we could look forward to it and he could look forward to it and um, it would be like a slow crock pot all day long. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We can marriage bravely. I'm glad you shared that, Jamie, because we as moms, we need to know this is... This is the thing, you know, when we're at the park or play dates, we don't talk about this because we're married, you know, we get to stay home or we're working and we have these conflicts that are behind the scenes and we're privately texting our husbands. There may be something going on that our friends don't know about. They may see character problems with our kids and we talk about that, but these are the things, these are the real things that hold us together as, as, um, God created our marriage to be fulfilling. And these are the things that really, my husband says, when we have conflict with one another, it's like the light has gone out in our life. Like the spirit of us, everything else is affected. Um, and so this is important to talk about. And I think just like we plan, whether we plan our um, vacations or we plan our homeschooling years, we also need to plan these things, our date nights, our conversation, our, our um, plans for our vision. Like what do we want to our marriage and our future focus and the generations to come? Like talk about these things and put as much investment and time into them as you do everything else in your life. And that's what this, this, this episode is about. It's about going back to your first love. God brought us together for a reason um, and we have children, yes, but you know, only all of that is sustained by our, our first priority and that's our marriage. Um, but you know, not all marriages and motherhood feel the pull. And quite frankly, it is not always an issue for every, everyone and every marriage. So I kind of want to chat about that and how growing stronger together. If you have a strong marriage right now, and how that's an example to our children and the generations to come. Um, you know, how and what are we doing to keep the unity between us and Christ and our marriages? And how do we model this to our children? We are really setting up the future generations by modeling a strong marriage to our, our children. Um, so if you have to go back and fix some things or find your first priority, your first love in your marriage, then do that. But someday you're going to say, now, now what do we do? What can we show our kids? How can we change the generation? So marriage becomes exactly what God intended it to be. Well, I want to just go back a little bit to what you said, September, about putting 
putting it on the calendar and, and actually being very intentional with some of the things, um, the amount of time we spend with our husband and the different activities that we do. You know, years ago, years ago, my husband uh, had a work change and he switched computers with somebody in his office. And that person who got his computer, I don't know if they sent me an email or what, but something came up in conversation where he, this, this other gentleman, his name was Keith. He said, you know, it's the funniest thing. I got your husband's computer and I noticed all these little weird comments on his calendar. And I asked him about it. What is, what does this mean? This little, I think it said note or something. And it kept coming up like every Thursday, it would say note on his calendar. And my husband said, well, it's a reminder to me to send my wife a loving email or a text because words of affirmation are her love language and they don't come naturally to me. And when Keith had told me that at first, you know, I bristled a little bit like, man, he has to remind himself to send me a love note. What, why can't he just do that naturally? Why does he have to put it on a calendar? But when I was able to sit with that idea for a second, I thought, you know, kudos to him for seeing that that's a need for me, even if it's not a need for him. And he wanted to pour into me in a way that I felt loved and he wanted to do it with intention. So he was, you know, actually writing it down on a calendar to love me in the way that I feel loved. I think it's also important for us as wives to remember that as our marriages go along and, and we're going on our 18th year and I know you girls have passed me in miles and probably can speak to this so much better than me, but I think we get to a place in our marriage where we have to sort of redefine what romance is. You know, I can't tell you the last time I got a fresh bouquet of flowers and that's okay. Cause that's really not my love language and that's fine. My husband knows that, but I use that as an example. I think we hold that out like, um, fresh flowers or a romantic getaway or all these things that we read in these, you know, fiction novels of what romance is supposed to be. But I think if we can redefine romance in this stage in the game, we'll have just a much better opinion about the health and the, the temperature of our marriage. If we can say, you know what, I am so grateful that I see daily commitment and small sacrifices. You know, when my, when my husband is willing to run to the grocery store at, you know, five o'clock, right. As soon as he walks in the door, because I need milk for dinner or when he shovels my car out in the morning, so I don't have to do it. And he shovels all the snow out or when he remembers to plug my cell phone in before he goes to bed, because I've forgotten it. All of those little things where he's remembering me and making me a priority, that's romance too. And that matters. Another thing that I did, and this was a few years into our marriage because I really sensed this, this tension that we were living in. And, and I know I was the conductor of that crazy terrain. It was not my husband. I felt like there was this like checklist of what would make a good wife. I saw all my friends doing certain things because that was their gifting. You know, one of them was a great hostess at parties. One of them decorated so beautifully. One of them was the craft mom. One of them was the, um, the perfect dresser. And I felt like I couldn't live up to all of those things. And I wanted to be a good wife. But in the end, I realized, you know, the only one who can define if I'm a good wife is my husband, you know? So I just decided to ask him one day, honey, I know I cannot do all of these things well 
but I would like to think I can do maybe three things with excellence. And I want them to be the three things that matter most to you. Not to say that I'm going to drop the ball on all the other things. You know, I, I probably am not the best toilet cleaner, but by golly, the toilet needs to be scrubbed and cleaned. So there's just some things about marriage and motherhood and, and, you know, spinning all the wheels that have to be done. But I want to focus on the three things that matter most to you because I'm your wife. I'm not his wife or his wife or, you know, I can't be all of these other things that these other women are, but what matters most to you? And so we actually sat down together and he thought it was a good enough idea that he asked me the same question. What three things do I want to see in, in his relationship with me that makes me feel loved or makes me feel like, wow, he's the best husband. And so we just sat down one day and made a list of three things. And, and to the best of my ability for the rest of our marriage, I've tried to honor and, and pour my biggest amount of energy into those three things because I know they matter to him. Right. It's, I mean, God created us to be a team. He put the two of us together uniquely and that's where our focus our focus should be, you know, I, there's so many ends to the spectrum. And I was thinking back when I wrote an entire chapter on this in my book, why motherhood matters about, um, how we should love our spouse more than our kids. And I had a lot of shocked readers, um, thinking that that was just horrific. Like, why would we not love our kids as much as we love our husbands? But, um, I think sometimes, you know, we forget, we get married and then so much change happens so fast, whether it's um, our bodies change through pregnancy or we experience loss and grief and struggles and conflicts and financial struggles, our housing, we may move around. All of those things are changing and we're just trying to keep up. And um, we as people are changing. My husband is not the same person today that he was and neither am I when we got married. And respect in the change is huge. We have to remember to continue to get to know our spouses. They are not the same person. So therefore, um, expectations and what our marriage looks like is going to always be different. Um, you can grow old with one another. If you can remember that you're doing this together, this motherhood gig, you know, it's not just your thing. Um, and whatever your husband does in, the teamwork part of your family. It's not just his thing. You do it together. God made us one. Um, ladies, do you have any more thoughts on that? I have one more thing I want to add. I mean, I think if you, if you realize, all right, things have not been going along perfectly. I've been putting my, my children first. My husband's not been my priority. I think it's important to be super honest with each other to maybe ask forgiveness for not being as available as you should have been. Take those small steps and begin to prioritize that alone time together. But it's it's good to admit that there's a problem. And when you once once you put it out there, then you can talk about it together and come up with solutions to that problem. I mean, just little small steps that you can do. Even something as something as simple as having a strict bedtime for your children so that they can go to bed. And then there's a couple hours that the two of you can have together without the noise, without the chaos, without the children. But but that takes some discipline too in your parenting to say, look, kids, this is how it's going to be from now on. You're all going to be in bed by X time, depending on their ages. And then you have that, at least you have that time at the end of the day to be together. But just to be able to admit it, sometimes just admitting there's a problem is, is where the solution begins. 
Right. Perfect. Right. You know, we, I like to think of it like this. We, you know, that mama bear term, like we would fight furiously for our children. We would go to bat for them. Um, let's think of that in our marriages, right? We want to fight for this. We want to work hard at this. We want to invest in this. And yes, it's tiring. Yes. Sometimes our bodies are tired. Yes. We don't want to be touched or we don't want to give one more ounce of energy, but kind of shifting our schedules, shifting our thoughts, shifting our focus will shift your marriage. And, um, that's what today, that's what we're talking about. You know, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on your spouse, but sit down and talk about it. Sit down and be forgiving, sit down and be humble, um, and go from there. But this is a beautiful thing. God created marriage as an example to the generations. Don't give up. You know, that's, that's what's happening in today's culture. It's just too hard, too inconvenient, too much work. Yeah, September. And I would say too, as, as you're looking ahead and planning out some ways that you can cultivate your marriage, especially if you feel like it's slipped below, you know, the midline, the culture is going to try to pull you away because this is, this idea of biblical marriage is so countercultural. You know, we're living in a time where two people live very independent lives, even though they're a Mr. and a Mrs. And so I think with that, you you might have to pull out the big guns and do some things that your your other friends will just like lift their eyebrows up or not understand. Here's an example. And I, I don't give this example to lay a template of my life over yours. This is not going to be the win for everyone, but it has certainly helped us in our marriage. Early on, uh, I, I was sort of late in the Facebook game. I came to social media rather late comparatively to all of my friends. My husband was on social media and I was not. But when I joined social media, I made the conscious decision that I was not going to friend any males on Facebook or otherwise besides people uh, in my own family. So brother-in-laws and cousins and uncles. Because I didn't want to leave that open, that temptation open. I loved and valued my husband too much. And that was just an easy way to ensure that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, fall prey to maybe a temptation. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I just, um, am, I just know myself and I knew that I needed that, that guard up, but I've, I've had a lot of people question me about that. And even like my own pastor has sent me a friend request and I just have not accepted it. And it's not that I don't want to be his friend. I am his friend in real life, but I love my husband too much to go down that road and I know my own personality and I know that I need to be extra cautious for the sake of our marriage because my marriage matters to me. And so I guess I say all that to say when your marriage matters, find ways to live that out. And that might mean making some really tough decisions that other people in your life just don't understand and that's okay. Right. That's good. This could be a couple podcast episodes, I think, right, ladies? I mean, it's a huge part of all, most of our lives. And um, if you're in this situation today, we just want you to know that when you are tired and weary at the end of a long motherhood day, and you just do not feel you can give one more ounce of energy or love, let alone someone else's attention, we get it. We really do. And today we hope that you know, we see you we understand it's hard, but we also hope that you heard that it is so worth it. The hard work, the balance, the shift of focus and the unity in teamwork that can come from shifting our focus from priority 
over purposes. So we want to role model God's plan for marriage to our children in the generations to come so that we will not lose his will for the family. And we are cheering you on every day here at the mom to mom podcast. We hope you know that myself, Kate and Jamie, we would love to hear from you. And did you know that we are on Instagram and you can leave us a note there anytime as well? So join us in this discussion and tell us how your marriage and motherhood are doing today. It has been so good getting to know many of our listeners this way and seeing you share the podcast on social media and in your mom groups. And if you have a mom that could use some prayer or encouragement today, or perhaps that's you, we would be more than happy to share and pray with you. So send us a note and join us. And thank you so much for listening in today.